Have you ever been out in public and seen an argument erupt between other people? Hopefully you haven't often been those people, but, um, but it's this awkward experience as we're just kind of going along with our daily routines, out for errands, maybe out at a restaurant, and then all of a sudden there's this loud, intense interaction between these people, and we don't know the context that led to this triggering event, um, whether the, it was somebody that knew each other or they just had a lot of stuff and a lot of baggage they were each carrying around and something triggered them when they saw each other, whatever it was. But it's this strange experience where we have to wrestle with what to do because it, it, it's, it should be this private event, but it's, it's in public. It's happening in front of us. And, and so we might uh, just kind of in shock get stunned and just stay there like, oh my gosh. Or uh, we might, uh, you know, pull out our phones and record it just in case something really nasty goes down and then we can have our video go viral. Uh, or maybe it'll turn funny somehow. Um, or we might just like dart to the other end of the store and just be like, I, I just want to be safe. Or some of us, uh, compelled by compassion and love, might stick around just to be ready to help in time of need, uh, just in case uh, somebody needs help in it. But it's this awkward experience to hear this exchange between these other two people, especially when it's so intense. And I feel like Isaiah chapter 13 is kind of like that experience. God is giving this prophecy of judgment to the people of Babylon, to this neighboring nation, but he speaks it to his people, and then it's recorded for us in God's word to be helpful and useful to us as well. And we're experiencing this intense conversation, this intense address from God to Babylon, and it's kind of unsettling, and some of the words are pretty shocking. But it's given for us on purpose, and we want to take the time to read the words, settle in, and see what it says about God and what God means for us to understand in our relationship with him. Uh, one of the tools I've been using through this series is the NIV application commentary on Isaiah by John Oswalt, and it's been super helpful and insightful for me. Um, but one thing that I think is helpful framework as we enter in uh, to this conversation is that Oswalt tells us that in this first major section of Isaiah from chapters 1 through 39, that chapters 7 through 12 and chapters 36 through 39 function kind of as bookends where God is addressing uh, the, ki the kings Ahaz and Hezekiah as they're each wrestling with um, the confusion of how to trust God, what it means to trust God with this imminent impending fear of military action by neighboring nations. Um, and so those two kind of interactions, 7 through 12 and then 
36 through 39 function as bookends. And in between, there's kind of this tutorial given to God's people to help them wrestle with what it means to trust God. And in chapters 13 through 23, we get this long section of judgments against all the neighboring nations. And kind of the tutorial point of this section that we'll, we'll kind of enter into in chapter 13 is why would you trust in the nations when you know that God is the one who endures, he's sovereign over all things, and their power is limited, it's temporary, it's, gonna, it's fleeting. It looks really intense right now, and certainly they're having impact on your lives, on the lives of other people, but the nations don't have enduring power, so why would you trust in them? Trust instead in the God who reigns over all things. That's kind of the major point of this whole section, and we're going to reflect on chapter 13 kind of as the summary of all the judgments against the neighboring nations. So I'll invite you to uh, turn to Isaiah 13. Uh, we're going to read part of it out loud this morning, but we're going to kind of reflect on the whole thing uh, as a whole. So starting at verse 1, we see it is a prophecy against Babylon that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. Then jumping down to verses 9 through 13 is kind of a, a summary of what we capture in the chapter See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day, with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our lives and in the world. We thank you that you are active. And we pray that you would speak to us. These are harsh words, and it can be confusing to hear some of the things that you say. And so we pray that you would help us reflect on it, that you would reveal to us your character, that you would help us to see you as the sovereign one, the creator, and the redeemer. And we pray that you would help us understand these hard, harsh, and difficult words and apply them appropriately to our own lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So another tool that I came across this week, it's been on my shelf for a long time, but I actually pulled it off the shelf uh, to read it this week. It was a, a book called Preaching the Old Testament. And there's a helpful chapter in there called Preaching from the Prophets. Uh, and it's written by a scholar named John Salehammer. Uh, and there's one statement in there uh, that I want to share with you because I think it's helpful insight as we try to 
read this Old Testament prophet and apply it appropriately to our lives. Salehammer says, reading the prophets as a book also means not confusing the intended reader of the prophetic books with the audiences of the ancient prophets. So uh, he says that when the prophets spoke, they had a very specific meaning that was for them. But then when God embedded that message in his word for all time, then part of the meaning of that shifts, and we want to understand that well. So he continues, While a prophet's primary task was to confront the ungodly with words of warning, the primary task of the prophetic books was to give comfort to those who read them. That comfort came in the reassurance of God's faithfulness to his new covenant promises. And so, uh, just for my own understanding, that was like a light bulb that was super helpful. So I just want to pass that on to you as we uh, dive in to Isaiah chapter 13. So as we read uh, this challenging judgment given uh, to Babylon, but also given to God's people in Israel and Judah about Babylon, uh, we recognize that in our struggle— we look for safety, just like the ancient peoples of God did. Kind of the idea here is, we've said, God is challenging his people, trying to teach them to say, there's all these power structures all around you, all these messages, earthly thinking, and we, we saw this in God's words to the people of Judah in chapters 2 and 3 just a couple weeks ago, right? That God says, there's all this human thinking all this earthly power, and it looks so overwhelming and so appealing when you're struggling and you're trying to deal with the chaos in the world and in your own lives, and you just want to feel more secure and safe. All this stuff that you can see and hear seems so accessible, and it's so tempting to latch onto that. And we know that God's people were wrestling with trying to develop uh, you know, they were fearful of Assyria. They were trying to figure out what nations should we form allegiances and alliances with in order to protect us from all these earth, earthly threats, right? And so we need to understand that in our struggle against the chaos in our own lives and in the world around us, we too are desperate to look for safety, God is teaching his people not to trust the nations because they too are subject to his judgment. He's sovereign over the nations. The nations come and go, but God endures forever. Their power and influence, while it appears significant now and certainly has great impact, lots of these, you know, we're not just talking about neighboring nations that maybe did things a different way. We're talking about neighboring nations who were tempted to declare war against each other all the time and kill people, all right? So it was a real threat. The power that they had impacted them, and it was true fear. If they did this wrong, they could be in danger. But God says the power that they have is fleeting. And even though it has real impact on our lives, we don't want to be so distracted by the fearful realities that we forget who's actually in charge and trust the Lord Almighty instead. It's important as we 
heard these harsh words against Babylon that we recognize as well, that God isn't just getting revenge against other people that hurt other people, right? So this isn't just like, God said, you were mean in these ways. And some of the words, like I said, we didn't read all of them this morning, but there are some pretty harsh, stark, shocking things that God says are going to happen to the Babylonians and to their kids. And it's important that we recognize that these are things that were happening to the people of Israel and Judah. They had experienced that kind of threat and destruction in people's families. And so there was a piece of this to say God is going to step up and be in charge and he's going to put these people in their place that felt reassuring. But it's important for us to understand that God isn't just getting revenge against people who do nasty things, but he's actually carrying out justice. And there's a difference between revenge that just wants to like heal, try to heal the wound or make somebody else hurt the way we hurt and justice that says, this is the way things ought to be. And I'm going to put away these evil, chaotic, terrible things and bring about peace and stability and safety. And that is what God is ultimately going to do. So, as God speaks to Babylon and all the other neighboring nations. It's important for us to recognize that God is helping his people and us recognize that even when evil nations, even when unrighteous nations, let's even say it that way, have power over God's people and can do terrible things, that God allowing that to happen is not God saying, I like them better than you. He's not aligning himself with these unrighteous forces, even while he may be using those unrighteous forces to discipline his people and to teach them something. But he's saying, ultimately, these unrighteous forces that are affecting you that you think are so powerful, I'm more powerful than they are. And I'm going to put them to bed too. So we don't want to trust those nations and we don't want to be like them. We want to be like our God. And why? Because God is greater than every other power. All the time, every day. God is always greater. You know, last year we spent a lot of time uh, celebrating that Jesus is greater than all the other things. And the truth is that the full Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is greater than every other power every day, all the time. Like I said, we're tempted to trust the powers of this world and the, the people and influences that surround us. But they are, the power that they have is ultimately counterfeit. It's temporary. It's pretend. It's only power that exists in this created world. And God's created, God's power is not created. It's begotten. It's always been with him. 
Now, uh, in verses 6 and 7, God says to the people of Babylon, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every heart will melt with fear. No matter how strong those hands seem to be right now with whatever weapons they are holding, when God says the time is done, their hands go limp and they have no power. In verse 10, God says, The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Again, in the, in the pagan religions, the stars, the moon, the sun were things of worship. Okay? They were considered to be gods. And God says, no, I put them in place. I'm the creator. I am sovereign over even the lights in the sky that seem so powerful and so far away and so untouchable. I can even make them dark. There were parts of pagan society and religion that kind of saw the stars as symbols of human greatness. Like some people uh, believed that Kind of when the great ones died, they became stars. They were symbols of their enduring power. But God says that's a lie. The stars have no power except what I give them. And I can make them dark if I choose to. Verse 11 says, I will punish the world for its evil. The wicked for their sins, I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. One of the reasons that we're studying chapter 13 is kind of a, a symbol, a representative of all the other judgments against the neighboring nations. Is one, just because it comes first. Two, because Babylon, it's against Babylon and Babylon is used throughout scripture as kind of a symbol of earthly powers. And... In Isaiah 13, even though this judgment is to Babylon, it has a lot of universal language uh, that represents what God is going to do to all the powers. And it's important for us to take a moment and recognize the weight of this judgment that says all the unrighteous things, all the earthly things, all the proud and haughty things in the world, including human attitudes and ideas, will be judged by the Lord and put away. And so, as this statement is given to God's people, it's meant to encourage his, his people to know that God is the one they can trust today and always. That he will come through and he will put the chaos away and bring peace and Sabbath rest to his people. But it's also important that if we are not God's people, if we're people out in Babylon or the neighboring nations with all these other worldly ideas, that we hear the truth about this judgment. 
I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. All unrighteousness will be judged by God. All unbelief will lead to destruction. Our only hope is in this sovereign God who is also the rescuer and redeemer. God will put away all unrighteousness, all evil. He will bring an end to death, which we want, but he will bring an end to all sin, evil, and chaos in the world. And if that's where we live apart from him, then we want to hear this message. That it's not a message of hope until we trust in him. But when we do, we can trust in him every moment of every day, no matter what it looks like in the chaos of this world or the chaos of our lives, we know that the sovereign one will bring peace and bring an end to the chaos. As an incredible picture of that, we have this judgment against Babylon in Isaiah chapter 13, and it goes into greater detail in verses 19 through 22. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and glory of the Babylonians, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. There no nomads will pitch their tents. There no shepherds will rest their flocks, but desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses. There the owls will dwell, and there the wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will inhabit her strongholds, jackals her luxurious palaces. Her time is at hand, and her days will not be prolonged. Don't miss this. In God's message of hope to his people, this is incredibly powerful. Because it's important for us to note that when Isaiah was compelled to give this message from the Lord, Babylon was not the greatest power in the world. Assyria was. And the day was coming when Babylon was going to take over Assyria and it was going to become the greatest power. But while the people of God were afraid of Assyria trying to figure out what they were going to do and who they should align with in order to protect themselves from Assyria, God's first judgment is not against the people they thought were the biggest threat, but against the people they, they didn't even recognize were a threat yet. But God said, don't be afraid and don't trust in them because even the great power of Babylon that you haven't even experienced yet I'm going to put away. I'm going to bring an end to it. And Babylon, the greatest city in the ancient world, maybe. People in Babylon probably thought so at least. Um, as God brought judgment against Babylon and used other nations to rise up against them, what we read and Isaiah 13 didn't happen instantly. But there was a steady decline in Babylon and its power and influence. So much so that by the 18th century, no one knew for sure where Babylon had even been. 
in all these things that God has said. This great city that so many people will turn to and rely on, this symbol of earthly power and human ability, will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. There will be no nomads will pitch their tents. There will be no shepherds who rest their flocks there. But the desert creatures will lie there. The jackals will fill their houses. The hyenas will take over their palaces. It's important for us to recognize that what God spoke to his people, when they heard it, they didn't understand why God was even talking about Babylon. But all these things that God said he was going to do happened. Because God is sovereign over all things. Every day, today, and forever. And so we don't want to trust the things in the world because they're temporary and they're going to go away. We want to turn and put our trust in the God who has enduring power. And so as we reflect even on this harsh judgment, as God's people who recognize who he is and what he's done for us, we have hope. We're, our hearts are turned toward hope because he is great and mighty. Hope endures because we trust the almighty El Shaddai. In verse 6, so Almighty is tr used as the English translation a couple places, but in verse 6, it translates Shaddai. And that's important because it's this beautiful, powerful, complex name of God. El Shaddai in scriptures is the God who brings life. The God who brings blessing. But equally so, El Shaddai is the God, the God who guards life and protects his people and brings judgment and curses on those who threaten his people. And so, as we hear God declare to Babylon, wail for the day of the Lord is near, it will come like destruction from El Shaddai. We, as people who trust in Jesus, as people brought into the family of El Shaddai, get to see El Shaddai, this great almighty God, is the one who gives us life. And not just earthly life, but eternal life through Jesus Christ, his Savior. He promised he would send a redeemer, and he did. And as we trust in Jesus, we have not only a life that is blessed by God, but we have a life that never ends. He will bring us in to his presence where we will be safe and secure forever, for all time. Because El Shaddai is not only the giver of life, but he's also the fierce and fearless guarder and protector of his people. And he will put to rest every threat that comes against us. Not necessarily in this life, but into eternity, yes, for sure. We can trust him. Because if we're with him, 
we get to go to a place where there is no end. And where if we're not with him, our future is a certain end. No evil escapes the judgment of the Almighty. It's either paid for by Jesus or it's paid for by the perpetrators. Us. Jesus is El Shaddai. He's the God who brings life and the God who judges sin. Our only hope is in Jesus because everything else fails. But our great God and Savior wants us to recognize that this judgment spoken, what, like 1,300 years ago to a power that was really influential then that we just read about in history books. This judgment spoken to them is also a picture of what his righteousness, what his sovereign power is going to do to all the powers that rise up to threaten his people, earthly ones and spiritual ones alike. We've already seen that Jesus on the cross overcame death, sin, and evil. We have the benefit on this side of history, on this side of this judgment, seeing that Jesus came. God sent the Savior for us. And what Jesus did on the cross and in the empty tomb affirms for us that everything that God has said in the past will come to fruition in the future because Jesus rose from the dead and God can do everything he said he will do. So while we endure chaos right now, while we sometimes live in fear of what is coming next, while we wonder, is there anyone that we can trust? God speaks this judgment to Babylon as an encouragement to his people to know that the powers and the chaos we see all around us that seem so overwhelming will not last. But God will last, and he invites us to go with him. Let's pray. O oh, great God of highest heaven, there is no one like you. We live in desperation so often in our lives, at least in our perception. And it's so easy to latch onto the things around us, near us, the things familiar to us. But we need you. And you make yourself available to us. You have come to us and you are here for us. And we don't deserve it. Our sin demands destruction and punishment. We deserve it. But you love us. And so we thank you for telling us the truth about what happens to sin and earthly powers. But we pray that you would help us here as well. Your invitation to trust you and to be with you. To endure through all things. To have hope in the midst of the chaos. We pray that you would make us secure 
not in the things that we can see, but in you, the one who lives, the one who lasts, the one who wins. In Jesus' name, amen.